We're going to continue this morning in a series. This is actually our last week in the series called One. And it's a series that's been rooted in this incredible prayer of Jesus. If you haven't read it yet, I would encourage you to read John 17. Um, you might have been encouraged to read the Bible before. John 3.16 maybe. Romans 3.23, 6.23, those kind of verses. Maybe somebody told you to read Revelations. Um, but it's incredible to read the prayer of Jesus in John 17. And um, I'm going to, uh, as we... This whole series has been about this oneness that we have in Christ, um, ourselves, with one another, with the church global, with the church local, um, and all those things. And today we're going to talk about the, um, the final component of, of the church. It's not even the final, but it's the natural manifestation of being in the church, and that's a mission. And so today is, it's called One Mission my little clicker works. There it goes. Um, and so I want to, but I want to remind you of our, of our memory verse. Um, again, this is the last week. I'll talk about this verse in particular, but it's from Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, right? I'm going to put it up here so we can all look at it. Um, this is what the word says. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. That's interesting. Um, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and through all. Isn't it interesting that, it, it, that, that this, Paul in his letter says that this is our one hope, is, is in the Lord, in, in the baptism. We're going to talk about that today a little bit, baptism, and our faith in God, um, and in his omnipresence, that he is working in everything all the time. Uh, we talk about that a lot, how we can, we can have hope when things seem hopeless because God is working in, around, and through everything for the, go, for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's what scripture says, right? And so, uh, I, I don't know, that's, and, and then we're going to tie this idea of the oneness of God, this one, you know, um, oneness, there's no way to say that, with the mission and I'm going to throw this up right now because it says um, in James 2, 18, this is what the word says, show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by what I do, right? And we're going to connect those concepts today of the, of the one, you know, church, the one true church in Jesus Christ and the one mission in the world. And I'm struck by this because this was written by Jesus' half-brother James, who was a skeptic until the end with his brother Jesus, was, was there saying, come home, we think you've lost your mind. And he says, James, of all people, says, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. I, I think it's striking that it says that we will show our faith by what we do. It's not really like an option. It's a fact. You and I will demonstrate our faith by what we do. That's the truth. And so we're going to spend some time talking about that today. Uh, before we do, we are going to spend some time in prayer. Um, we believe that the Bible is inspired by God. That's not cheap. It means God breathed word to his people, a gift to us. And uh, to understand it and to rightly apply it, we have to pray and ask him to help him to do it in our lives. So pray with me, if you would, this morning uh, to our sovereign God. Uh, Almighty God, you are over all, in all, and through all. You are um, so magnificent to us, honestly. Um, we were lost and hopeless without you, with no, with no understanding and no purpose and, and no truth, because you were all those things in our lives. 
And Father, I pray that today as we enter into your holy space, into your presence, where your Holy Spirit is teaching and admonishing and encouraging us, that we would just lay down our human conceptions and we would listen to you. Father, I pray that the, the words of my mouth would be glorifying to you, but that they would be truth. And I'm sinful man. And I know that it takes a God-sized act to change that, to speak truth. And so, Father, today as we come into your word, help us to know the truth. Help every person that's gathered here by your sovereign will understand you better, get your call in their life, get your purpose for them, speak into their hearts so that no man could dissuade them, Father, of what you're doing in their life. We pray this mighty prayer in Jesus' name because there's no other name on all creation by which we can be saved or called or redeemed. And so we ask this today in, in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray it would be done for his glory and for the good of all of his people. And we say it together, amen. All right. We always pray before we get in the scripture um, because we need God to help us understand it, all right? We're going to start in John 17. Again, I told you, I encourage you to read it. But we're going to start in John 17. And we're going to back up. Now, we spent all of our time talking in John 20 through 26 um, in the series. I think this is week eight, I think, of the series right now. And so um, we're going to spend time today talking about the first, the second part of his prayer. And I'm just going to read it to you because everything that Jesus prays for his disciples is manifest in this prayer of oneness for us. And so I want you to hear what he says about his apostles the original people who followed him. It's kind of two same words there. The disciples who learned from Jesus, we call them apostles because they were sent out. Okay, check it out. Verse six, I have revealed you, this is Jesus speaking to God the Father. He's praying to God the Father. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of this world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. That's powerful right there. Now, they know that everything you have given me comes from you because I gave them the words that you gave me and they've accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me because they are yours. All that I have is yours and all that you have is mine and glory comes to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. I want to stop just a second. That, that's a powerful sentence. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave him, Jesus, that they may be one as we are one. Okay, reading on. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name that you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. 
They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. The, the, the themes that we hear coming out in Jesus' prayer is this reality of the oneness that he has with the Father and this reality that, that we were in the Father and that, he, that we belonged to him before we knew we belonged to him. And that's the crazy thing, because you might go, well, I, no, I, I chose Jesus. But that messes, it's messed up if you look at Scripture. That's not how it says it. It says that, that, that you belong to the Father and that you belong to Jesus. And, and, and we can get our lives all wrong if we think it belongs to us. You know, what do I want to do? Because it, it belongs to God. It says there that they belong to you and all that I have is yours, all you have is mine. And then he says this incredible thing. And by the way, he says, sanctify them. There's so much stuff in there. I can't talk about all that today, but you know, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. I mean, the scripture is a gift to us. We're gonna talk today about how we live it out. That's what our mission is, how we live it out together. But then he says this, I am sending them out just as you sent me out. And, and, and there's this reality that in the church, that as followers of Jesus, we are people who are sent. We're people who are sent. And you may not, you may not think that's true for you. You might think, well, you're, you're different, or you don't, you, know, you don't count or whatever. Or you're not part of Jesus' sending. But it says that all who belong to him, he's sending. All who belong to the Father that he's revealed truth to, he's sending and many times we'll think of being sent out. We've talked here at Family Bible Church. We have a couple of mission teams this summer going to foreign lands to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. And we think of that as sending people out. You, you might, you might have, have been part of a team like that before. Maybe you've supported someone who's, who's gone off to foreign lands to share the gospel. And you think, man, they are missionaries. They've been sent out into the world. But today we hear in Jesus' prayer for oneness that we are all sent out into the world, that we have one mission in Jesus. And, and, and no matter if that sending is being sent to the foreign, you know, the farthest stretches of the earth, or that sending is to being sent to your own backyard, you are sent by God. Maybe into your family, you are sent by God. You're an ambassador. We talked about that before. Ambassadors for Christ, that we are being sent out. As a matter of fact, the truth is that Jesus is in the business of sending others out. If you read your Bible, and I hope you do, you will see in his own ministry, when people started coming to him and saying, Jesus, heal us, Jesus, fix us, Jesus, save us, he started sending out those who were learning from him how to do this. You'll remember the stories, right? He sent out 12. He sent out 72. He sends people out today. And there's this natural flow of Jesus' ministry where he, you come to him, you realize who he is, and then he turns you around and sends you out into the world. Do you, do you think it's incredible that in his prayer to the, the Father, he, he didn't say, Lord, take them all with me right now? I mean, if you're a disciple and you're with Jesus and Jesus is your only bet for salvation, he says, I'm leaving. Don't you think you would say, hey, me too, Jesus, take me? I, I know, I think John would, right? John would be like, I'm the one you really love. Leave these guys, take me. Peter, I got out of the boat, take me. 
right? Thomas in the back corner, I don't even hardly believe. Take me. <laughs> don't leave me here. I'm doomed without you. Isn't it incredible that Jesus said in his prayer, I'm not taking them out of the world. That's not even my prayer for them. My prayer for them is in this world, you protect them from the evil one because they're being sent out, sent out into this world. I think it's true for you and for me today. The same deal. So here's the thing. The second is this. We're being sent out, that's true, but we're being sent out on one mission. And this begins to, again, illustrate how we can celebrate all that God is doing in all the world because it's so much bigger than us. It's so much bigger than any one of us or even any gathering of us, okay? And so I'm going to ask you to turn, if you would, to, we're going to get this entire mission. You know we're probably going here. We're going to go to Matthew um, chapter 28. This is the very final chapter of the gospel of Matthew, the good news of Jesus, according to Matthew. And we're going to read a little bit here to start off with. We're going to talk about this, what this one mission is. I love this. So in verse 16, the word starts this way. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee. Notice there are 11. He said none were lost except the one doomed for destruction. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. I'm just going to stop here. We're going to talk most about 18 through 20, but I want to talk. I want you to see that the mission of the church immediately begins with obedience. Even before the church is the church, it begins with obedience, right? Jesus' prayer was, I'm going to send them out into the world. And, and the church is called the ecclesia, those who are called out, right? And, but even before, the first act of the church was simple, simple obedience, obedience. It says, they went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. He said, go there and wait. That's what he told them. And you know, they were blessed because they did what he asked. I did what, I did what you told me to do. I'm waiting for you. I'm here. Simple obedience. Check it out. Verse 17. When they saw him, that's the disciples, the 11 disciples, when they saw him, they worshiped him, right? They fell down and just praised him. But some doubted. That's funny to me. In the room, who? The 11. Some worshiped and some doubted. Some couldn't believe what they saw. Some struggled to understand the resurrection. Some struggled to understand what had happened on the cross. They were all over. I, I love it because what we're going to hear today is this one mission from God is applying to all his people. And, and you might go, man, I don't, have, I don't have faith like that guy has or that lady has or I don't have the lifestyle that that person has. Or, and yet God says, no, you're in the room with me. You're my people. You belong to me. Remember Jesus' prayer. We are one in Christ. He says, you are mine. Okay? So when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Check it out. I love that. We can read that so, like, negatively, but some doubted, like it's a backhanded comment, but it's just in there. It just is. Some doubted it, right? We're going to talk about that a little bit. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So as we get in, I want you to see three things. The first is that it starts with simple obedience. Being the church starts with simple obedience, and it's a person at a time. Any one of those 11 could have not been obedient and not been there and missed it, 
and miss what God had for him. And so it starts with each one of us, okay? And, and the second thing is that no matter where you're at in the faith spectrum, you're included if God is commanding you to do something. He's saying, do it. You show up and you do it. And you trust that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. But the third thing is this idea that um, uh, it, all these things are wrapped in the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. Did you see it? He starts off by saying, all authority on heaven and earth is given to me. That's what Jesus says, right? He, he doesn't say anything else. He says, every, all the authority is given to me. And then after he gives this command that we're talking about with the mission in the world, he says, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That's the eons. That's for as long as there is time, I'm with you. Right? So I have all authority and I'm never leaving. I'm always going to be with you. And that then in the middle of this, we have, I would almost say it's like, um, you know, if you get one of those, if you get one of those toys at Walmart that you can't open, does anybody still buy toys? You know, they make those things, they put them in those little boxes that you can't open. Do you guys ever shop anymore? None of you do. They're like the most, you know, they're so bad that Amazon has started something called frustration-free packaging because we're all so frustrated with the packaging, right? If you could imagine that plastic case, that, that, that encapsulation, that sealing, that permanent binding, that's what Jesus is over his mission in the world. All authority is given to him, and he's never going to leave us. And so we're encapsulated in that promise. We're living inside of that space with him as God's people. And, and um, that's where we find our mission in this life. That's where we find it. And, and I'll just leave it there, but you see what I'm saying, okay? So there's one mission that we're, we're sent on. What is that mission? We're going to look at verse 19 now for a few minutes here. And the first is this, to make him disciples, okay? 19, therefore, because I have all authority for this reason, because of that, go and make disciples of all nations. We've talked before, I mean, we've talked for years in here about it means making learners of Jesus, but it means also making obeyers of Jesus, right? I mean, how do you learn something if you don't test it? How do you learn something if you don't try it? What's the good of all the education you've gotten if you never put it to work? It's useless to you, right? And here he says, go and make disciples of all nations. But I had this awkward thing because I thought, okay, go make disciples of all nations of whom, right? Is he saying to the 11, go make disciples of yourselves? Go into all the nations and proclaim yourself? And I would say no. Why? It's encapsulated in his promise. It's not about us at all. And it's certainly not about anyone following me or you somewhere. It's about following Jesus. And so we're called to go and make him disciples. Or how would you say that properly? Go and make his disciples? I mean, because God does the work. He makes disciples. But we're called to the task and our mission. Go and make people who are obedient to Jesus. Go and make people who are, who are worshiping Jesus. Go and make people who are submitting to Jesus. That's what we're called to do. It's a striking thing. I mean, I'll just say that we, we get this wrong a lot. I mean, we, I said earlier, we're sinful. I'm a sinful man. You're a sinful woman. You're a sinful man. We're sinful people, and we get in the way. 
And we start thinking it's about us and not about Jesus and God and what he's doing in his redemption and his holy throne, his big picture of his redemption in the world. And so we get afraid and we, we chicken out on making people disciples of Jesus and we kind of make them disciples of us. Let me explain a little bit how this has worked in the past. People would go into a foreign country with the gospel and they would leave having people that looked more like us than Jesus. Like they would go to a foreign country and they would say, oh my gosh, you're naked, put on some clothes. Oh my gosh, you, don't, you have a, you, ha, you know, you're wearing a, I don't know what, right? Would you wear a loincloth, Brian? Okay, so that would be awkward. Put on a suit and tie, man. You know, oh my gosh, you're walking on dirt roads, drive a car. Oh my gosh, you know, you don't have air conditioning. How can you live like that, right? And we end up making disciples of us and not of Jesus. But the call is to make disciples of Jesus, to celebrate what God is doing, to, to want to be, to see people free in Christ, not bound by our art habits and sinful behavior our traps it's been done wrong and i'm convinced that any of us can fall into it i mean i can fall into it you can fall into it i'll love you as long as you're like me but that's not the gospel the gospel is i love you and you ought to be like jesus and that's uncomfortable that's uncomfortable but we're called to make disciples of him for him that's a tough one you know what i'm saying right jesus learners jesus followers not of us because we're not worth it <laughs> we're not worth it that's the bottom line we aren't worthy of being followed we aren't worthy of being worshiped we aren't worthy of his honor or his praise because all authority has been given to jesus go and make disciples of all nations how do you do this then practically I'm going to talk about it in a minute. How do we make disciples of all nations? Next thing is that we immerse others in his name. Some of us have some faith legacy here. And, and I, I, we, I talked about baptism. You know, it says baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Maybe you were raised in a church where you said the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Anybody do that growing up? Maybe you had water that you put your hand in and you had Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the baptismal water, right? Maybe you drank it. No, you didn't drink it, did you? None of you did that. <laughs> when my kids were little, we told this story, but my kids wanted to, they wanted to pray at night, but they wanted a bowl of water in their room. We're like, why? And they go, ask, we have to pray that way, right? Baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is in the name of God. Jesus' prayer says what? By the name you gave me, make them holy. By the name you gave me, unite them, Right? Baptizing means just to immerse them over and over again. I said a few of us have a shared faith history here. Um, a, a great friend and leader and mentor of mine talked about how it's, it's soaking someone to the point that they begin to lose their form. They begin to be reshaped in Jesus. You get, have you sat in the tub too long? You get wilty, right? You swim too long? That's how we should be with Jesus. Matter of fact, that's how we should be around others in Jesus' name. Making disciples of all nations, how do you do it? Do you show up and do you give them a list of rules? Here's what you got to do. Here's what you, here's what you don't got to do. And here's what has, this is what you ought to look like. This is how you ought to dress. This is how you should speak. 
Or do you show up and do you bathe them in the glory of Jesus Christ? Right? You just wash them in the word. You just celebrate. You're so beautiful. Do you know who you are? Do you know who made you? Do you know who you look like? You look like Jesus. And you bathe them in this glorious story, and they're immersed, and they go, I thought I was, I thought I was broken and sinful. Yeah, you are, but in Christ, you're all complete. You're surrounded in glory. Baptizing, it means more than getting people wet. Believer's baptism is beautiful, and for people who decide to follow Jesus and they want to proclaim that decision, and they're baptized, and we lay them down in the water, and they're raised to new life, and the sins are washed away, and they're free from their sins. I recently saw a brother that was baptized, and he said when he came out of the water, the weight of the world was gone. But that's not the water, that's God. That's what God's doing in his life. So when we show up, to make disciples, the way we do that is we wash people in the word. We surround them in the glory of God. We tell them a bigger story than man-made rules. Inventions of our own mind. Traps of our own making. And we learn to swim, you know what I mean? You can't touch the bottom. God's glory is so big. In this space, we are changed and others are changed. But this is how we make disciples, repeatedly immersing people. I want to go through real quick. In the name of the Father, that, 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 that we're his. That's what the prayer, these people belong to you. That's what Jesus said. These are your people. That sounds like Moses, right? These people belong to you, God. You made them. You knit them together. You gave them breath. They're yours. Immersing people in his name, in the name of Jesus, his son, who came and was beautiful, and we killed him on the cross, right? Immerse him in the gospel narrative of our sin and brokenness, but his perfect redemption, you will be completely restored in Christ. Not saved so you can fake it the rest of your life, you know, around Christians and give the right answers, so that you can be completely redeemed. Baptizing in Jesus' name, the gospel. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's what we say to people. There's no other name by which you can be saved. Baptizing in the Holy Spirit. Anointing others in the name of the Holy Spirit. Praying over others in the name of the Holy Spirit. I mean, do you understand the power that God has given us? It's the only way that we can fulfill the command it's to immerse others in God's power and his name, surrounding them with prayers and supplications. My question is, what do you have a tendency to bathe your family and friends with? Like whenever someone's in a crisis and you show up, or maybe they're not. <laughs> what if they're not in a crisis and you show up? What do you wash them with? A little bit of worldly wisdom? <laughs> you know what I mean? Give them a gold star for the day. Tink. Good job. Or do you, do you just bathe them in the word? Man, I don't know if you're like me, but I have a tendency to fall back into the ways of the world and just go, hey, that's good enough. Hey, you're trying. Try harder. <laughs> You'll get there one day. Instead of going, God 
did it, man. You are beautiful. Live into the promise. Bathe them in the word of God. I wonder when we leave, boy, this is tough. When we leave a room, we've been hanging out with people who don't yet know Christ or aren't fully following their lives. When, they, when, we, when we leave the room, what's it, what's it feel like to them? Do they feel cleaner or do they feel dirtier? What's the taste? Is it, oh, that's gross. Get it, out, get it off my tongue. Or is it like, wow, that was good. Wow. I want more of that. Because as the people of the sovereign God, we should be the people that we leave, the people who go, we want more of that. Not, uh, get it off my tongue, people. I love that. We're called to bathe people in his name. Claim his promises for them. Educate one another. That's the next thing here, actually. How do you make disciples? You immerse them in God's name, and then what? Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. That's what Jesus said. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded. Give them an education. You don't know your heritage. You don't know whose you are. You belong to God. You've been thinking your whole life you belong to yourself. We teach others to obey all. I, I think it's funny. Read that with me. Um, Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey what? Some of the things that I taught you. Like, no, that's, it's, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey the things that they kind of obey already. Anyway. Right? Nope. Go and teach them to obey everything I've commanded. Everything I've commanded. Jesus doesn't say, go teach part of the gospel. Go share your favorite parts. Leave the other parts out. They're uncomfortable for you. <laughs> he says, go and teach them to obey everything I've commanded. Now, if you're like me, your first problem is this. I don't obey everything Jesus commanded. <laughs> How do you teach what you don't live? How do you proclaim what you don't do? Right? I want to, I want to, to do everything Jesus commanded. I want to obey all his commands. But if you read them, they're hard. They're hard commands. And yet, encapsulated in all this is the promise of Christ. I have everything I need to the very ends of the age to obey myself and to teach others to obey. That's not me, by the way, up here. I'm talking about you and your life. Do you understand that you have an obligation to go and teach others about Jesus and what he commanded. That becomes the standard of our lives. Jesus says it himself. And teach him to obey everything that I have commanded you. Man, that's powerful. Um, I want to run through some of the everything that Jesus commanded. Just a few. There's more. And it's not about laws, you see, because we're going to talk about that in a minute. But, but I want you to see what they are. One of his commands was follow me. You'll remember, he said to many people, hey, follow me. Hey, follow me. And some people got up and followed Jesus. And other people went, I don't think so. I'm not going to, no, that's, I'm not doing that. And they didn't. And, and both options are in the Bible. I mean, both narratives are in the Bible. People who said yes and people who said no in the Bible. Jesus commands to follow him. 
That doesn't stop, by the way. He doesn't say like, follow me for a little bit and then you can go off in your own way, right? Um, follow me until you learn enough to be on your own and then you can uh, make a path for yourself, right? No, those two words, follow me, begin with an open-handed invitation by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and they never stop. What are you gonna do tomorrow? Follow Jesus. What are you gonna do whenever you're 95? Follow Jesus. Why? It's his command. Obey it. Follow him. We're called to do it. Something else that he commanded, love God with everything that you got. <laughs> love God with everything. That you, he says it more eloquently than God. <laughs> he says it, you know, all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, right? Love God with everything that you have, everything that you are. Love God with every fiber of your being. Just do that. That's what Jesus commanded. Love God with everything. Or love other people like you love you. Love others as if they were you. Right? That's a hard thing to do. To treat others like you would want to be treated. That's what we always heard when we were kids, wasn't it? But many of us don't do it, you know? Jesus commanded it. Love others like you love yourself. Another command that he gave. I love this. There's more. I'm skipping over a bunch, so, you know, don't be mad at me about that. Look them up. There's tons of things. Jesus said, just do this. Do this. Hard things. We ought to do. We ought to teach, and we ought to do ourselves. He says this, stop doubting and believe. I love that. That was the Thomas, by the way, in the back of the room. I'll believe it when I see it, guy, right? I love Jesus' compassion. He shows Thomas, and he says this, now, now, Thomas, Stop doubting and believe. Maybe you're a doubting Thomas. You know, maybe you're the one who knows that some doubted. And you're like, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, guess what? When God shows it to you, command is, now stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. Jesus commanded that. How many times are we stuck in those things? We aren't able to do them. We can't teach others to do things that we don't do ourselves. The best model we have is to obey his commands ourselves. How do you make disciples? You're obedient. How do you teach others to be obedient? You're obedient. That's what we're called to do. And it's not about a degree. It's not about the study you've done. It's not about all the good work you've done in your life. It's about this promise that we have in Jesus Christ that in spite of all of our flaws, he's enough. He's enough. And he's sending us into the world to make disciples. That's what we're called to do. Be obedient. All right? Now, the last, last thing for today and the series. So what we're called to do, teaching and obeying all his commands, right? And living out scripture together. And for this one, we're going to turn to... Um, James, I told you his half-brother who was a doubter. Uh, James, I'm going to share with you first. I love this. Um, if you've not read James, it's a great book to read. It's in a, a letter to the church. Um, but I'm going to share this with you from James. He writes in his first chapter, do not merely listen to the word. That's the Bible, right? The word of God. Don't merely listen and so deceive yourselves. 
Man, look at that words on the screen. Like, that, that don't freak you out. If you've been in church for a while, nothing, should, you know, that don't freak you out. I don't know what's going on with you because that should freak you out a little bit. Don't just listen to the word and so be deceived in your life. Well, I go to church on Sundays, right? I heard this guy on the radio. I saw this great preacher on YouTube. Great. I went to a conference. Awesome, right? But don't just merely listen and be deceived. Don't think by listening, you get it. If you listen and you hear it, it's a gift of God. But what's he say? Do what it says. Do what it says. If you don't do what it says, you're deceived. If you, <laughs> and that's the problem, isn't it? Like in, in church world, we read it and we don't do it. The Bible says if we do that, we're deceived. Turn with me, if you would, to James chapter 2, just two verses. James writes this way. In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say to me, you have faith and I have deeds. Deeds are like works, things you do, Right? Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. And I'm going to end here. But the reality is this. We're called to live out Scripture together, okay? That means that we're all reading from the same book. We're all praying to the same God. We're all asking for inspiration from the same Holy Spirit. And therefore, we are all called to hold each other accountable to what we're doing in our lives, to live out Scripture together. He says, some will disagree and say, well, I do my way, you do your way, and that's just the way it is, right? And he's like, no, you will demonstrate your faith in your life by what you do. He actually is a little more elegant. He says, show me your faith without works, which is funny. Show me your faith without works. That's a funny comment, isn't it? Like, if you don't think you're part of the mission of God in the world... Show me what you believe without doing anything. It's a non-starter. You can't do it. There's nothing to show. There's no faith proven. There's no faith lived into, right? Show me your faith without works. But then he says this, I will show you my faith by what I do. Tough, tough thing about our human condition the tough, tough thing about following Jesus together is that ultimately everyone, and especially, and for sure God, who is overall in all and through all, sees what we do. He sees. That's why you don't fake it till you make it, because you're just faking it. You ain't making it, right? There's no way. And, and so you're going to show your faith by what you, you're going to demonstrate what you believe in by the actions of your life. Not the thoughts in your head, not the ponderings of your heart, but what you actually do. And by the way, let's just say this, what you, what you do and what you choose not to do. God calls you, don't do that. You don't do that. God calls you to do something, you do something. You see, all, all through Scripture, this is consistent. They obeyed Jesus and became the church. You know, and, and it's not about 
salvation and it's not about proving ourselves to God it's about simple obedience and that is faith acted out I believe you so I'm going to do it I don't understand it so I'm going to do it I'm not sure how it's going to turn out I'm going to do it anyway and this is the interesting thing that if you want to grow in your faith in Jesus and if you want to experience life in Christ you got to do something you have to and in the moment, in that faith, faith-filled moment when you step out, when you take a risk, when you believe Jesus, you meet him. Because he shows up. You see him. But it only happens if you do it. We are called to be part of God's mission in this world. And um, I don't know what your next step is, but I, I hope that um, you're taking risks with Jesus in your life, with Jesus in your life, that you're pondering what he would have you to do or who he'd have you to be, that you're <laughs> encouraging someone else in their faith, that you're open to accountability in your own faith. You know, that's not right. Somebody tell you that? That's not right. You shouldn't be doing that. I hope there's people telling you that in your life. And that you're part of the mission in this world I'm going to close there. That's it. That's enough. Here's the thing. Nothing of what I've said can be done without Jesus in your life. Can't be, can't be done. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. We're going to do one final song today. But as they come up, I'm going to ask you to consider this. What is, what is your hope? What is your power? What is your redemption song? Right? Because... The truth is that what we're going to celebrate at Easter, the command of God and the power of Jesus Christ only comes through faith in him and the resurrection story. And so apart from God, we can do nothing. And don't leave deceived. Apart from God, we can do nothing. But with God, anything is possible. Please pray with me if you would. Uh, Father, today as we have come here to worship you and, and hear your voice uh, first of all, we pray you're honored. No matter what happens to people gathered, that you're honored by the right proclamation of your word. And, and uh, that's the gift of your Holy Spirit among us. Pray, Father God, that we would consider our position in you. Th that if we don't think we need your salvation, we would have a, a real understanding of our brokenness, of our hopeless situation that we would get over our pride and our ego and, and trying it our way, and we would just submit to you, our sovereign Lord, creator of all things. And Father, for my friends here who, who feel like, man, I believe it, but I, don't, I haven't tested it, or I'm scared, or I think that's God calling me to do it, but I'm not sure, I pray that you would give them the confidence of your Holy Spirit, that if they need that nudge or that encouragement or that word, that you would bring some more life to speak that into their life, that they could know that you were calling them forward. And if it's not of you, that it would fall away, that we could be obedient in your, in your name. And Father, all we want to do is be faithful to you to proclaim you rightly and to celebrate what you've done and who you are and to invite others into that process of following you. May you be glorified as your church seeks you today. Um, for every broken and wounded heart, I pray you bind it up in Jesus' name. For the depths of sin that seem insurmountable, I 
pray you would fill it up, that you would help us understand that our sin is gone in Jesus' name. And that we could repent and change our behavior and glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen.